I wish I could go through all the different ways I tried to re-record this podcast. I've been inter- interrupted three different times, so we're just going to cut to the chase. We're going to race to the end, and we're going to talk about a better way to spark an attraction with your brand and candidates. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand and recruiting podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. Thanks so much for listening. If this is your first time for joining in, we do things a little differently. We try and do deep dives. There's not a lot of interviews here. There's not a lot of news here. This is about how do we get smarter and better? And that means how do I get you smarter and better? How do I get you to think about these problems at a deeper level so that you can solve them and look like a genius to your boss? If this isn't the first time you've been here, thanks so much for returning. Feel free to share with your friends, your coworkers, your boss. I don't know. Uh, We really do appreciate that. All right, let's get into it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Going to be at HireConf in New York. Going to be at RecruitCon in, I'm going to say Nashville, not Memphis, right? Nashville. Uh, If you want headlines and news and updates on what the industry is and how to be smarter and stay on the cutting edge of stuff to to keep keep that edge going, just either Google employer brand headlines or tinyletter.com slash employer branding, also in the show notes. Anyway... Uh, this is our coming up on our third birthday for this podcast at the end of October. So I'm trying to think ahead a little bit. That's unlike me, I know. Uh, I've got a conversation I need to book with someone I've wanted, one of the very first people I've wanted to talk to, and I'm horrible about booking her, so I need to set that up. Um, also, some other news happening towards the end of October, and it, to me, it's kind of like, okay, the third birthday of this podcast let's think of all the stuff we need to kind of clean up to kick off year four right. And one of the things I want to do is open it up to you. What are some things that I've covered in the past that you'd like me to revisit? I mean, we're doing this for three years now. If there's stuff that happened a year or two ago that you're like, hey, James, is there anything you've learned since then or anything, any other thoughts you've had around this that could make this better? This is a good idea. It didn't quite come together the way I think you wanted it to. Can you hit this one again? Let me know. I'm at the Twitter with at the War for Talent. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on forums. I'm on all sorts of stuff. The website, all sorts of stuff. Let me know. I'd love to know what you'd like me to revisit. So let's talk about a simple idea. There is a concept that I've kind of always adhered to when it comes to trying to produce or trying to show and communicate something new to someone. I stole it from a book called Communicating the New. I thought it's a fantastic book. About halfway through, it gets deep into the weeds, and I don't really have any value for that stuff. But conceptually, the first half of the book, glorious stuff. And I will try to remember to put the book title and author in the show notes. Um, But it's a great book called Communicating the New. It's on, you know, your usual places to buy books. Um, This idea was very simple. And I'm going to state it kind of show it off a little bit and then state it again. You'll kind of see how this comes together. And to me, it was like, oh, near revolutionary, right? It's the idea that your job ultimately in order to communicate something, especially something that's relatively new, is to make the familiar strange and to make the strange familiar. You need to take what is, understand how unusual, how strange it is, and make it the inverse of itself to communicate it, to create the attraction, to spark that connection with the person you're trying to communicate with. For example, think of any crazy product. The first time you saw the uh, um, the TiVo, right? The first time they had a TiVo. That is a, at the time, and now, of course, now it seems like so obvious, right? It's a hard drive. It's just a hard drive. It's just recording stuff, and you can go back. Um, cool, right? Super simple. But at the time, TiVo themselves even said it was such a radical idea that at the time that it was 
people didn't quite get it. No matter how many times you explained it, people didn't get it. And you had to show them. You had to say, look, I can just rewind live TV. And they go, how is that possible? How is that a thing? And they just couldn't get their brains around it. When TiVo got successful, and really the whole DVR industry became successful, is when they stopped talking about it as magic, but really started to talk about it as keeping it very simple. This is radical technology that all the streams of information are coming through this hard drive. You're getting a buffer of content. It's kept in that hard drive. And that way you can rewind and come back to it and catch up whenever you want. That was radical stuff. And if you talk about it as this is a way for you to re, you know, to, to manage a buffer of information, that that all sounds so cumbersome and messy and weird. Nobody would get it. And frankly, they were so initially anyway, they were so enamored with the technology and what they had, the magic they had been able to accomplish that they kind of weren't great at communicating to the masses really what that was. And what they had to do was take this strange idea of a set-top box between your cable box and your TV or wherever it went. I don't know if it was before or after the cable box. I can't remember. Um, until it became the cable box, right? Um, you, you inserted this box and what it did was allow you to rewind live TV. They try because they understood. We all understand what rewind means. We all have tape decks in our cars and our houses. We all had VCRs at the time. We understood that. What was radical is that we took this simple idea that inobtrusively we insert inside the process of watching TV a means by which you can rewind it just because you want to. They took the strange and they found a way to make it familiar. Think of any amazing product, any iPhone, like the iPhone, it's a phone, except how many of us use it for a phone? It's obviously not a phone. The phone is like the least interesting part of this whole system. It's a supercomputer in our pocket. Oh, by the way, I guess it's a device that allows you to ignore phone calls, right? <laughs> Calling it the iPhone is a misnomer. It's a mini computer. It's a pocket computer. But if they tried to say it's a pocket computer, they go, well, wait, do I have to buy, keep a phone and a pocket computer? They go, no, 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 it's a phone too. They, they started with the familiar. Look, you already have a phone in your pocket. Here's a better phone. And by making the strange, and let's be fair, at the time, this was a very, very strange product, it made it more familiar. Flip it the other way. You want to make the familiar strange. So if you're trying to sell a day-to-day -day product, a product that you see all the time. You have to find a way to make it unusual. That's how you attract attention. You want to talk about it. You're trying to sell I don't know, laundry detergent or shoes. You're, like, you're going to talk about amazing. That's why the commercials are so unusual and interesting because they're selling a fairly boring product. They're trying to make the familiar strange as possible to attract attention. The same should be true for your employer brand. If you are a new employer brand. You are a strange employer brand. You have to find a way to make yourself understandable, to be more familiar. You want your policies, you want your processes, you want your reason for being to become familiar. That's your job is to say, okay, look, we're a brand new company or we're a company you've never heard of. We're just like blank, right? You could say, look, we're just like Amazon. I mean, remember in the dot bomb days? And maybe that's a bad example, but everybody's like, we're like Amazon, but for gardening supplies. We're like Amazon, but for pets clothes. You know, there was a way of saying, here's how we make ourselves familiar. It's a brand new brand. It's a brand new product. It's kind of a brand new way of thinking about commerce and buying things. We're like this thing you already know this way, right? That's the way they did, they still do, in fact, uh, movie pitches, right? There was the, 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 the long period in which every movie was like, it's like Die Hard, but on a boat. It's like Die Hard, but on a bus. It's like Die Hard, but in a phone booth. And that's literally a movie, right? It's literally Die Hard in a phone booth. I, yeah, you wonder why Hollywood's getting weird. 
they took what is familiar, or they took what was strange and they found a way to make it familiar. Now, this isn't just a branding idea. This is a great way for you to do some great internal branding. And this is the real key. This is the real magic I think you're gonna get some value out of. That is to say, let's be fair, 90% of all the world has no idea what employer branding is. I still introduce myself to people and they say, what do you do? And these are smart people. They have no idea when I say things like I'm an employer branding consultant, they go, what does that mean? You have to describe it. And I think that's 90% of people at this point. Even smart, talented, experienced business people, they still just don't know what this is. It's not their purview, it's not their world. I get it, I get it. So anyway, when you're trying to make people understand the power of employer brand, this is a strange concept. What you do is you find a way to make it familiar. So what I do when I explain my, my, my job as an employer brand person is to say, look, recruiting is kind of like sales, right? You know, here's two things you already know. They're very familiar. Right, got it. I'm like the marketing side for recruiters. Oh, more familiar. I'm taking the strange and making it feel familiar. When you go to leadership and you're trying to say, look, what we're trying to do is connect to these candidates on this company journey. They're going to go, what do you mean? Why are candidates so special? Why are they different? I haven't been a candidate in a very, very long time. I don't understand what you're telling me. This is all very strange. Why don't people just apply for jobs like they used to? They see the world as strange and your job is to make it familiar. You say things like, imagine you're an incredibly talented person. And as someone who's incredibly talented, you have to assume that lots of different recruiters from lots of different companies are knocking on your door to talk to you. How do you pick? Huh. Well, I guess I'd pick the company that I want to work for. Okay, great. How do, you, how do you know that's the company you want to work for? And you start to unravel that thread a little bit, and suddenly you're making the strange feel very familiar. You're walking them through a process that they can completely understand immediately, and they go, oh, I get why this is important. I get why employer branding is important. At the same time, at the same time, the flip side of it, sometimes you're dealing with something that everybody kind of already knows. Like a referral program, for example. Every company I know of any merit whatsoever has some sort of referral program and they all kind of are, they're all kind of oatmeal, <laughs> lukewarm oatmeal sitting on the counter. They've forgotten about it. It's just a thing that sits there. It's a thing they launch once a year to say, hey, everybody, remember, run referrals, do referrals. Isn't that great? You get, a, you get money or you get a prize, you get a bonus, whatever it is. And they go, cool. And they assume people are going to remember it. And they don't. <laughs> so if you are trying to base some of your success as an employer brander on a stronger, better referral program, by the way, eh, yeah, it's a good idea. You should do that. Um, you have to make that familiar idea of a referral program seem strange. Now, and some people do it using technology. They say, oh, we found this new tool that makes referrals super easy and fun, and we gamified them. We're making it strange and interesting and special, blah, 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 blah. I'm not a big proponent of that myself. You do you. Do what you're going to do. That's great. I'm on, on board. I'm rooting for you. For me, it might be, okay. hey, look, why do people make referrals? And now the truth is everybody knows, well, everybody does it to make money, except that's not the truth. That's just an easily rememberable truth. It's an easy to digest truth. People are just jerks and they only do things for the money, right? Especially our staff, right? Isn't that, how, isn't that sad? <laughs> so much of HR and business leaders just go, our staff sucks, they're just in it for the money, but we love them. It's like, oh, whoa, 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 back that up. But that's a different podcast. Everybody assumes they're doing it for the money. And the truth is there's numerous studies that show, yeah, go ahead, bump that bonus up, double it. Doesn't change the fact that people aren't referring people. Turns out it's not the money. Turns out the money is the least of it. Turns out what they're doing is trying to say, look, I love my company so much, I want my best friend to work here. 
That's why people make referrals. I think there's real opportunity here and I would love to get this person who I know in my industry and my network and my friends and my family, whatever it is, to be a part of the gravy train, to be part of this thing, to join me, to be part of this. That's what drives referrals. So you have to reinvent the concept of referrals to make it strange so it's not just the tapioca or the wallpaper paste or the oatmeal sitting on the counter. You've got to reinvent. You've got to make the familiar strange. Now, it's kind of a vague idea, but the more you kind of see it and the more you think of how you're trying to communicate and what you're trying to do in your job, your day-to-day employer brand type jobs, what you're trying to achieve, that little tidbit may help spark a better conversation, more interesting conversation, deeper, more memorable conversation, and help you get your job done. Don't focus just on how do I use this to attract candidates. I think it has a lot more power and value by helping you do your job internally. By making the familiar strange and by making the strange familiar, you are seen as an expert. You are seen as someone who knows how to communicate. You are someone who can weave all the disparate semi-interrelated components of a business or an idea or a campaign together to make the thing happen. And that's your job. All right. Let's see. 12 minutes. That's that's not quite a record, but man, that's a good short one. So thanks so much for listening. Hope you got something out of that. Hope you enjoyed that. As always, share it. Let people know. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, stuff in the show notes. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the War for Talent. At the War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.